here in Barcelona. It's 5 p.m. and welcome to my live stream. Couple of things. Welcome. I'm glad you're here to contribute. Even if it's only in the chat, even if it's just to say you're here, I'd love to have you put something in the chat. Three, engage, get engaged with curiosity. Four, questions, ask questions. If what I say doesn't make sense, ask a question. And number five, if it's boring, that is my fault. Let me know in the chat so that I can get better and better at this. So hey there, welcome to the live stream here. Uh, we've got a couple of good things in the chat coming through. Uh, Florian Weck from Vegas, Michael from Canada, I assume, Joachim Matos from Lisbon, S. Tucker from Germany, Salt Lake City. So my session here today, what I've prepared on this day is top 10 lessons in life. And I've put together a list here that I'm going to share with you of the top 10 lessons that I've learned in these first 47 years of life. And today I'm on my 47th circle around the sun. So welcome here, those of you who are joining today. Today, 47 years ago, uh, my parents were overjoyed when I arrived into this world. Uh, so the, the 10 lessons in life, and the first one, let's switch over here to show the first lesson in life. And the first lesson in life, take responsibility. There was a phrase that my father repeated over and over and over when I was young. And I used to hate it when I was a teenager. I used to hate it when I was young. And he would say, it may be their fault, but it's your problem. And I think there's a powerful core idea in this sentence. It may be their fault, but it's your problem. And some of the videos that have most impacted me over these 14 days that we've been in quarantine fundamentally address a question. We, we each get a choice. You and I and each of us gets a choice. Are we part of the problem or are we part of the solution? And our actions today, our way of engaging with others, what we share, what we pass on, is a decision of whether we are part of the solution or we are part of the problem. Are you contributing to help? Are you contributing to engage? Are you contributing in a way that you have concern more than just for yourself, but for things beyond you? Because if that's the case, then you're making the decision to be part of the solution. Uh, if you're picking out who's to blame, if you're picking out who has broken a rule or let the side down or had a failing in the past or today, I'd have to say you're being part of the problem. The question is, is can we accept other people for who they are, for their failings, for the way they let the down and say we need to engage with them from where they are and decide to help them be better and help ourselves be better. So this statement, which I hated as a child, uh, it may be their fault, but it's your problem. The, the second thing my father used to say quite regularly was, uh, there are no they. And very often I would come back home and tell my father that my boss won't let me, uh, my teacher won't let me, the school doesn't allow it. And he would always say, there are no they, and I thought this was a, sim a stupid sentence when I was young. But there's no one 
who is here to give you permission for the important things in your life. There's no one here to give you permission to say thank you, to reach out to old friends and let them know that you miss them, to reach out to your colleagues at work, just to say, hey, I haven't seen you in the office for the last few days. I was thinking of you. How are you doing? Uh, no one is here to give you permission. Uh, the things that are leadership, the things that are about being part of the solution are things that no one is going to give you permission to do them. You don't need to ask for permission. You just need to decide that you want to be part of the solution. And by deciding that you want to be part of the solution, not by the problem, you don't worry about fault. Uh, one of the experiences I had in the last year that, that really struck me, I went on a retreat with entrepreneurs organization here in Barcelona and one of the individuals leading the retreat, Ramon. Ramon is a coach and Ramon, he, he told us he's a coach of two types, systemic uh, and some other type of coaching. But systemic coaching, one of the approaches that I love to systemic coaching, he says, if you have a team of eight people and one of them is disengaged, you don't say Joe is disengaged. You say there is disengagement in this room. If one of the eight people is angry, you don't say Sally is angry. You say there is anger in this room. And I find this phrasing where you don't attribute the emotion to one single individual. You attribute it to the room, to the group. It means we all must take some responsibility for Joe's disengagement. We all must take some responsibility for Sally's uh, anger. It doesn't mean it's, it's our fault, but it, we are part of whether we're choosing to be part of the solution of helping her move from where she is, helping him move from him, where he is. And also, when we're not in a state that we can engage, acknowledging it, representing it, and putting it into the room so the room can, can deal with where it is. Rather than pointing out who's letting it down, it's saying, well, how do I go from where I am to the next best thing? Uh, I made a comment the last uh, live stream that one of the most important messages for the times we're living in now, for the times of uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, is a message that I heard whilst watching the movie Frozen 2 with my four-year-old daughter. And there's a moment where the, the small snowman, Olaf, uh, the queen, Queen Elsa, is uncertainty and she doesn't know what to do. and the small snowman says to Elsa, Queen Elsa, sometimes when everything's a mess and you don't know what to do, just do the next right thing. So my first of my lessons for our life, let's switch back here to the, the chat window. Uh, first of the lessons for life uh, is take responsibility. Now here in the chat, uh, Rose is on. Hey, thank you, happy birthday. Very kind of you. Good to see the birthday wishes. Uh, happy birthday, happy birthday. Arancha, your Irish is spectacular. Mark, thank you. Reno, hello from Finland. There's echo on the line. Well, we'll have to see what we can do with sound today. Uh, the room is greater than the individual. Florian, that's a wonderful way of representing this idea. And you know, maybe one way of thinking about this is, is humanity is greater than any one individual. Uh, so moving back to the lessons, whilst uh, you're thinking of great questions, great reflections, great thoughts to put in the chat, 
what have we got here? Uh, the second lesson in life. So let me switch over to uh, this camera here. Um, and let me see why is it that we're getting our poor sound today. But let me remove one of our sound devices. Well, this is doing uh, editing on the fly in, in OBS streaming. The second lesson, uh, this is a lesson I learned from my mother. And the lesson is you don't need force to, to get a good outcome or get what you want. I remember many years ago at a dinner time conversation in, in our home when I, I would have been going to school, so I've been 17 or 18. And I know my, my father for six, seven months had this idea that we were gonna extend the house. Uh, he wanted to do some works to extend the house. And I knew that my mom was not in favor of this idea. She didn't like this idea that we were gonna spend six months a year because it was gonna be more her problem than his problem. And one night we're at dinner, uh, myself, my sister, my two brothers, and my father announces this wonderful idea that we're gonna extend the house and he's talking about it. And my mom is just, uh-huh, uh-huh, just accepts it. And when dinner finishes, I went to my mom and I said to my mom, but mom, you're completely against this. Why did you let dad just, just talk about it all the way through dinner without saying anything? And my mom said, well, you see with your father, if somebody says no, he's going to take it like a bulldog and make it his life's work to get it done. But if no one says anything, he'll forget about it and move on to the next thing. And I remember at that moment realizing my mom has a much, much wiser way about her than I was giving her credit for. Sometimes I was looking at where the noise is coming from as the clue to who's leading. And sometimes that's not a very good signal. Sometimes silence, sometimes being in the background, you can achieve your outcome. I think it was the, one of the US president's wives that said, it's amazing what you can achieve if you don't want to take credit for it. It's amazing what you can achieve if you're willing to give other people the credit for achieving things. How many things are you in because you wanna get credit for it? How many things are so important that it doesn't matter if anyone knows your involvement? Because like, those are the projects that are truly important to you. The projects you're involved in because you wanna be seen as connected to them for the prestige, for the status. Perhaps it, it's not the value, it's, it's the prestige and the status that is motivating you. Uh, and I'm not to say that prestige and status is something to be mocked. When I look at the decisions that I take, when I look at the way I conduct myself in life, very often I'm interested in projects that give me prestige, personal prestige, professional prestige. So uh, my level of meditative awareness is not sufficient to have left behind a willingness to, to, to not be the center of attention. I like being center of attention. And I guess anyone who's job is public speaking, uh, teaching in a room where you're the center of attention for 70 people. Uh, it's because you like prestige, you like status. So it's part of me, but very often if I can let go of my need for prestige and my need for status, 
I can achieve a lot more with the team. Uh, I don't know how the sound's going now. One of the challenges with live streams is once you're up and running, you gotta just keep going. So we're gonna switch back to the chat here. Nadine, thank you, great to see you. Mirta, great to have you with you. Harry S. Truman, so it's Harry Truman's what? Jamie Doherty from LA, wow, my good friend from Entrepreneurs Organization. Spaniard Vids from the Netherlands, that's a good name for a channel from the Netherlands. Harshad, great to see you again. Harshad, how are you doing with the journaling? Harshad, you asked me a question on uh, Wednesday about journaling. I don't know how your journal has been filling up since our session on Tuesday. Uh, Good, Reno says, sound is good. Tien Ke thanks and happy birthday. Lucas, your 16 year old, your six year old son, Lucas. Hello, Lucas from Barcelona. Uh, Michael, it's okay being the center of attention as long as we realize it's not about us, it's through us. I like this and, and sometimes we are given the gift of being the center of attention, but not for us for a project, for a mission, for getting something there into the world. And we, we've had a habit on the, this is the fourth of my live streams. One of the habits I've asked each of you to tell me first where you're from, and then to share a word, what we call in, in entrepreneurs organization, an emotional one word starter, which is one word that represents how you are at this point. And for me, it's part of the practice of being aware, aware of how you are in this moment. And if you're aware and centered in this moment, even if you can just label that I'm off balance, I'm in a better place than, than I was prior to being aware. So if you put one word here into the chat, uh, let me switch over to my little chat tool. So number two here, one word, emotional connect one word that represents how you're feeling what's your state of mind what's your state of, of being as we're on the chat so the second one here your one word emotional connect let's go to our third of our uh, lessons here on my list so here i'm going through my list top 10 lessons in life and uh, we're gonna go with number three of the lessons in life. Uh, let's go switch over to this kind and see how we're working. So number three lesson in life is the 20 mile march. And those that were on the live stream last week, I shared Jim Collins story of Robert Scott and Roald Amundsen on the march towards the South Pole, 1,600 miles. And that Amundsen's success, you can go back and watch, watch that video to listen to the story of the 20-mile march. But essentially, the 20-mile march is those that every single day have a habit will go a whole lot further than those that some days do it, some days they don't. And, uh, I think, uh, I don't know who was it that said, we so underestimate what we can achieve in one year and we so overestimate what we can do in one day. Uh, John Grisham, the author of the, the lawyer novels from the south of the United States, 
he, for 10 years, he arrived at his office with enough time to write one page before he would start work as a lawyer. And one page a day, every year, you have 365 pages, which is one novel. And effectively, John Grisham, every year writing one page every day, publishes a book a year. There's so many people that they write 20 pages in one day or 50 pages in one day, but the next day they write zero, the next day they write zero. One big sprint is never as powerful as the consistency of daily progress, daily steady progress. And you know, this idea, my, my mom when we were young, she gave me the habit of washing my teeth, washing my teeth in the morning, washing my teeth in the night. And she didn't tell me that it's okay to wash your teeth seven times on Sunday to make up for not washing them all the week. If you don't wash your teeth Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you won't have teeth by a, a certain period later. Uh, so you cannot make up for these days that you don't skip. And Jim Collins uses this story to about, talk about companies. And what he talks about is companies that meet a minimum level of progress every single day, every single year, but consistently make that, no matter what, no matter how good the time is or how bad their time, they consistently are determined to meet that objective. Those are the ones that really go on to be successful. And you know, in a way, that, that story is reminiscent of the hare and the tortoise. Anyone who's read Aesop's Fables, the story of the hare and the tortoise. And the hare is able to go really, really fast. At the beginning of this story, the hare and the tortoise start at the start line. The hare looks at the tortoise and sees a slow tortoise. And the hare just sprints off. But, you know, the hare sprints and sprints and sprints and he eventually is so far ahead, he thinks, I will lay down and I will rest. And he rests. And the tortoise just steadily moves along and steadily moves along and the hare stays asleep for too long and when the hare wakes up he looks up to see the tortoise is just about to cross the finish line so everything that's important for you in life needs to be a daily habit anything that you want to achieve needs to be broken down into what's the daily progress and for me this was a very hard lesson to learn because when I was at school, exams came easy to me. I didn't have to study and I would get a good grade. And I think my teachers hated it, my parents hated it because they would look at my approach to studying and say, this shouldn't work. But somehow I just had the luck of a type of intelligence that was able to pass tests without doing too much work. And I thought when I left school, that that was enough, that I was ready. As an entrepreneur, I've learned that it doesn't matter how smart you are. And sometimes being very smart is a dangerous thing because you can think, you can out-complexify things. Whereas a business, uh, what I learned in my first businesses is if you need to sell a certain amount each day, you gotta make a certain number of phone calls each day. And back in my first entrepreneurial business, what I worked out, it was, 20 phone calls a day leads to three meetings, leads to one sale. If I make 20 phone calls today, I'll have one meeting tomorrow. If I make 20 phone calls tomorrow, I'll have one meeting the next day. And if I skip 
my calls any one day. Perhaps I can make 40 calls a day, but it's very, very hard to keep it up. And the only way that you build anything lasting, anything that really matters, is by doing just enough that you make progress each day. Uh, at the moment, I, I've agreed with, with two friends to write two books in parallel. And what I've committed to is a Pomodoro a day on each. And a Pomodoro, for anyone who's listened to my channel or heard me talk, Pomodoro technique comes from an Italian PhD student. Uh, and the Pomodoro is in Italian, the name for a tomato. And this Italian PhD student, he was stuck, couldn't make progress on his thesis. He was staying at his, his granny's house and she had a kitchen timer in the shape of a tomato. And he just picked up that kitchen timer, shape of a tomato, set it to 20 minutes and he said, I'm just gonna work on my thesis until the timer stops. And he worked for 20 minutes and then he got up and did some things. Then he set the timer again, worked for 20 minutes and very quickly he started to make progress on the thesis and get it done. And he wrote a book to describe this process. When I'm writing, there's various different projects, I use the Pomodoro technique. I set a timer, I set it to 12 minutes or 20 minutes, depending on what type of work I'm on. And once I set it, the only thing I do until that timer rings is do the work. If it's writing, it's fingers on the keys, typing, not editing, just getting words onto the page. I separate writing from editing so that you, you just got this constant flow of words onto a page. So this, this set third idea is about habit, that it doesn't matter how good you are in any one day, it matters about the sum of your days. Let's go back and see what we've got on chat box here. Uh, yeah, Mike, inspiring to hear you make the case for daily progress, very thought provoking. And the great news is, is intelligent isn't that important. No skill that you have today is that important. Your ability to, to put time in a focused, disciplined way into something is what's going to make the difference. And in fact, it doesn't matter how good you are now. If you have the capacity to, to focus and center on something and put 20 minutes of good work into it day after day after day, you're going to make a huge difference. When I was first here in Spain, just arrived to, to do an MBA at ESA Business School, and I remember I went in to see Sandra Erliso, who's a career advisor, and I arrived in as an arrogant UK, I was working in London, I'd come across, I was a consultant from the world of technology. I came into her office and she asked me, what are your thoughts about career after the MBA? And I sat back, showed her my CV and said, I want to work in technology, probably HP, Sony, Gore, technology-based company in Barcelona, uh, working in something advanced technology. And she listened to my whole talk about this. And when I was finished, bit of silence, she looked at me and she said to me, do you speak Spanish? And I said, well, level seven? Since you don't speak Spanish, do you know anyone here in Spain? And I said, well, there's, there's a friend of my father in Madrid. So she looks at me and she says, you don't speak Spanish. You don't know anyone. Why the hell would any Spanish company want to have you working for them? 
And she said it in such a powerful, clear way that it just stopped me in my tracks. And she said, now, if you want to come back and see me, two things. One, get back into the Spanish class. Two, meet one new person every week. And this is uh, the year 2002. This is before Facebook, before LinkedIn. I remember I came out of her office. I went into the library. I picked up the, uh, the, the directory of alumni and I started working my way through that book. And the first three people that I reached out to and I met were three Irish people who were alumni of the ESA MBA. And I remember I reached out to them and said, I'd like to meet just to, to hear about how you've built a career for yourself here in Spain. And they said, you want a job? I said, no, no, just, I just want to hear how you came from Ireland and you made yourself, you made a successful life for yourself here in Barcelona. I'd like to hear your story because that's what I wonder if I'm going to be able to do myself. And I've maintained this habit of meet one new person every week. I make sure that there's a slot somewhere in my diary and whether you know, these days it's via Zoom, most of the time it's in coffee shops, Starbucks, uh, Fournette, uh, finding a way that every week I meet one person that I haven't had a chance to get to know before. And if you set this habit of one new person every week, which is what I've been doing now since 2002. Uh, you know, the first year I knew less people than a typical Spaniard. The second year I started to know more people than a typical Spaniard. The third year I knew more people than the most connected here. I've been doing it now for 18 years of consistently, and now we have great tools, LinkedIn, Facebook, you can connect, you can learn a lot about people before you even see them face to face. And my business Vistage, it's, it's so much about having these conversations, connecting in LinkedIn, looking and seeing if this person has achieved some interesting things in their life, and then sitting down with a purpose in the conversations. I wanna to get to know who this person is. Who is this human being? How do they look at life? What are the struggles they've been through? What's their vision for where they wanna take their life, their company, the people around them over the next while? And in that conversation, I have no aim to sell anything. But at the end, I let my intuition feel, you know, is this a human being that I would like to get to know more? Is this a human being I would like to have as part of my wider circle as I start to deal with the problems that we're gonna face as time comes? Uh, and, and this exercise has been very helpful for realizing, you know, what signals can you see in a minute, in, in 10 minutes, in 30 minutes, in an hour, that indicate that there's depth in another human being? What are the themes that you, if you ask questions, you can get deep and really learn a lot? Uh, so good to see, go ESA, go Harshad. How to identify the true drive? Well, there's a good one. I think in our last call, we talked a lot about Viktor Frankl. Now, one of these live streams, uh, I will give you homework, which is to read a book and then in the live stream, we'll have some discussion on the book, which would be Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And then we can have uh, an active thing on here. Michael Kanick, uh, consistency, ruthless consistencies. Jerk, uh, I love that quote. Uh, I think, you know, where I got it from was Jim Rohn, 
we each get to choose one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And discipline is a pain that is here and now. Regret is a pain that's far off in the future, but it is much, much more agonizing. And I think another one said, you know, if, if you don't learn discipline, you'll always be working for someone who's able to put discipline into your life. But you either need to be a source of discipline from yourself or be able to be around someone who can put discipline into your life. I think Andy Warhol said if you could hire anyone, he would hire a boss. And I think what he meant, he would hire someone who was able to, to just put that discipline and in a creative life, there's creative discipline of sitting down at the page, sitting down on the canvas, putting the tools and just going through the, the discomfort when it's not flowing. Um, so we will move on to uh, uh, lesson, I think we're on lesson number four. Lesson number four, and this is a, a good one for the times that we are in. Let me switch over back to this camera here. For lesson number four, take your health very seriously. And in this current context, uh, probably we're becoming more aware of how fragile our health can be. And very often we don't miss something until we lose it. Now, when you're in your 20s, when you're in your 30s, this, this body that we're given is invincible, it's unbreakable, and you, you, you don't worry. You don't need to go to a gym to stay strong when you're in your 20s. You don't need to eat healthy and eat well to, to, to stay without uh, extra weight when you're in your 20s. But if you start to put in habits of, of not taking care of this physical shape when you're in your 20s, it becomes harder in your 30s, harder in your 40s, harder in your 50s. So to me, health, when you are healthy, it is a multiplier of everything else. When you've got a pain in your body or a pain in your head or an organ that isn't working or there's something out of balance, it is a detractor from the quality of everything in your life and the quality of your relationships, the quality of your intelligence, the quality of your engagement, the quality of the energy you can put into life. And you know, hopefully you're a lucky one that was given a pretty good genetic endowment of health. But and I, and I love Warren Buffett has a metaphor that he says here. Imagine if when you were 20 years old, you could buy one car and you were never allowed to buy another car again. And that one car that you're given or you're, you're, bought, you're buying your 20s, you know, that that car has to last you for as long as you're going to make use of a motor vehicle to move around. And I'm assuming you want a car and you can go places with a car. Well, how would you take care of a car if you knew that this car had to last you a lifetime? Would you buy some books on basic mechanics? Would you learn about how to recognize when you're low in oil or the oil is old or you're doing damage to the core parts of the engine that is irrecoverable without replacement? Uh, would you make friends with mechanics? Would you listen to them when they give you advice? Well, if, if that's the way you'd approach taking care of a car, what about this, this body? This body is the vehicle we, we are blessed with and I hope you, know, you learn enough about health and medicine 
to, to spot the basic things going wrong and be able to do a little bit of diagnosis yourself. You've made friends with some doctors that you trust and you know them well enough to know that they'll take the time to understand the, the symptoms and do a diagnosis that is for you. And they'll understand who you are as they diagnose. And they'll understand the drugs and the, the diet. I think that there's another idea in, in China, they say that doctors are paid when you're healthy and when you're sick, you stop paying. And I love this idea that a health service, that each day you're healthy, you pay. The day that you're sick, you stop paying because that's, you know, the, the job of the health system is to keep you healthy, not to wait for you to be sick. We have a health system in the West that doctors are waiting for us to be sick. Dentists are always telling, don't wait for the pain. Don't wait for the pain. When there's a pain, it's too late. Please come to us before the pain so we can get some good habits into your life so that the pain never comes. And with health, uh, most of the Western medical system has given us this idea that we wait for the pain. You wait for the pain and then you go and only then do you look for advice and look to make changes. And I think that's a terrible approach to, to looking after anything that is as valuable as the one body that is given to us to last a lifetime. Don't wait for pain. Look at your life now, get help, get advisors, get physical trainers, get people to look over you in the gym, do all the tests you can, get your blood tested. Get a sense of what your physical condition is now and don't wait for the pain to make changes to your diet, to make changes to your workout routine, to, to make sure you do some strength workout to keep the muscles. And particularly now, I believe we have 3 billion people now in lockdown on planet Earth. 3 billion people in 90 countries are currently in quarantine in their homes. And here in my home, I'm missing being able to go to run. But each morning, myself and my four-year-old daughter, we put on YouTube, we put on a high-intensity interval training, HIIT workout, and we do a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the afternoon to, to keep physically fit because it's so easy here at home to, to pass the kitchen and pick up a snack, to sit on the sofa and just watch TV, watch more coronavirus news, more coronavirus news. Uh, we're trying to switch that off, keep fit, keep exercise, get some sunshine on us through the window. So that, that idea of keep yourself fit and keeping fit, don't wait for the pain put the habits in place, the good health habits now before the pain comes so that you never have pain. Pain is not a good thing to be feeling. Pain means you've waited too late and you're gonna need some external intervention to put your body back in, into, into a good setup. So let's uh, switch back here to our chat. Got some good stuff coming in. Belgrade from Bahrain. Uh, Spaniard vids, consistency uh, and Spaniard vids, I think uh, there's a couple of ideas that I would love to see taught better in schools and discipline, focus, the ability to be consistent. It, instead of just grading students when they do poor efforts or good efforts, really helping them to understand how good they are at concentrating and using homework not as a test where they got the answer right, but homework as a practice.
for whether they were able to stay focused for a certain amount of time on something. Uh, and you know, here I went the whole way through school distracted. You know, whatever I was working on, I was thinking about three or four different things. It, it took some really tough experiences in my life to, to stop me in my tracks and realize how unfocused, how unaware, how unintentional, how reactive that I was for the first 33 years of my life. And since the age of 33, 34, uh, I've made sure that you know, this notebook and a series of big drawer full of notebooks over here that is in the notebooks where I gather each morning a couple of thoughts about my intention for the day, my 10, 10, 10 during the day, what's going well, what's going badly. If someone asks a question, I think that's a great question, I put it down. If there's a good idea, I put it down. Two by two matrices to think about life into that journal. And you know, how do we teach people to focus? How do we teach people the discipline to, to have lives that steadily day after day after day make progress? And the, the pity is for most things in your teens and in your 20s, there's, there's no real negative outcome for not having focus or discipline. The whole system is geared up that no matter whether you're disciplined or indisciplined, the system kind of moves you through and keeps you moving through the structure. Uh, probably you know, one of the most beneficial things, and, and you know, I never went through this, but uh, it would be to fail a year of school and, and really have something hit you. In fact, it reminds me, uh, I had a conversation with, with a woman a few weeks ago who's an educational psychologist, and she's, she, she talked about a certain type of profile being the profile that the first thing that they ever failed in life were their, was their driving test. And when she said it, I thought, that's me. At the age of 16 and a half, 17, uh, so I moved back from Chicago to the UK. I was able to drive in Chicago uh, because the US, you can drive at 16. I land in the UK, I can't drive. I turn 17 on my 17th birthday, I apply for a driving test. Three weeks later, I go out for the driving test and I failed. And I was absolutely devastated because the freedom I would have had being able to drive, go and see my friends was closed off to me because this driving instructor had made the decision that my quality of driving and my knowledge of the driver's code in the UK wasn't good enough. And he was absolutely right. I had not studied the driver's code. I didn't know the answers to basic questions. And I learned bad habits in driving in my first few weeks and months uh, driving on the road in the US. I failed, uh, I think I failed three driving tests at the age of 17. It was the first ever thing that I failed in life. And the lessons that I took when I was 17 were not that I needed to get better. The lesson that I took was that guy was an idiot. It was his fault. Uh, and again, I'm sure my dad at that time would have said, it may be their fault, but it's your problem. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to take responsibility? What can you do so that the next time you're not in that same position? And at age 17, that's not what I did. I blamed the world. I blamed everything else rather than ever looking and, and seeing that the problem came from my faulty approach to getting prepared for what was a practical, real-world experience. 
What I was good at in school was passing exams, which is an abstract exercise that has no real impact on how you deal with real world things. So uh, go, yes, say go. Uh, creative alternatives. Uh, Mirta signed up for hit tomorrow. Great stuff. Javier, great to connect with you. Congratulations. You had some big success this year. Great to see you here on this uh, live stream. So. This live stream is part of me learning new tools during this quarantine. And uh, part of the, the tool is, is how to keep a constant flow of chatter going while you wait for really good questions to come in. So uh, given that it's my birthday, I've heard my four-year-old wake from her siesta. Yesterday, myself and my four-year-old, we baked a chocolate cake it is waiting out there with candles, not the full complement of 47 candles because that would be a fire risk, uh, but enough candles to, to show that there's age. And I have the guarantee of my four-year-old daughter that she's gonna help me blow out those candles. And in about half an hour, we're having a Zoom call where all my family spread out in Ireland, in the UK, uh, here in Spain, uh, my elder daughter is, is in another house at this time. We're all going to connect. And for the first time in my 47 years, it's a virtual birthday party. Uh, so I will be hanging up in about five minutes. In these last five minutes, uh, I've shared, uh, I don't know, are we on five of my uh, top 10 lessons in life? I'll be setting up another live stream for next week to share the next five of these lessons in life. And perhaps one of the lessons that I've, I've learned the hard way teaching at ESA Business School is however much content I think I can give over in a deep, meaningful way in the time I have allotted, I've always overestimated. Uh, so here I thought I could get through 10 lessons in life, the 10 lessons that I've took, taken from these first 47 years of life. I have five still to go. So next week there'll be a live, live stream. Uh, I hope to see you on that live stream. Connect and uh, again, any questions you have, anything you want, share on here because uh, I'm gonna be inside these four walls for at least another two to three weeks before the, the quarantine here in Spain begins to, to become a bit more flexible. So as we come up to the end, Luca, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Alba, thank you. Mohammed, thank you so much. Imtiaz, hi from Kuwait. Hello, Kuwait. So we're gonna, if you'd all just say a quick goodbye in the chat, we're currently 84 concurrent viewers. So if everyone does a virtual round of applause, as Michael says here, Remy, thank you very much. Hussein, thank you very much. Alvaro, thank you. Uh, Amklusent, if I've pronounced that right, I am definitely gonna enjoy the cake. It's a chocolate cake. I asked my daughter what cake would we make and she looked at me with a, a face of, Daddy, is there even a question? Of course, it's chocolate. Julio. Hey, hope to see you on a surfing break before too long. Javier, muchas gracias por conectar aquí y gracias por tu apoyo todos estos años desde que nos conocimos en ese. Floriment, thank you. Uh, 
So uh, I'm gonna say goodbye, but this is goodbye for a couple of days before we reconnect the next one. Mirta, thank you for the clap. Uh, have a great Saturday. Au revoir, merci Ron. Mike, hey, we've got the hoies on. Mike, slan lat, agasbanek day lat. Florian, absolutely, Madev. Mark, hey Mark, great to see you in here. Arancha, muchas gracias. Alvaro, placer. Mirta, Nadine, Joaquin, mind and muscle. Right, that's it. Ending stream in three, two, one. Hasta la vista.